Crimson Tower Studios. Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in 4th edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and tonight I'm not only joined by my co-hosts Steve and Matt, but we're also joined by the Lord of the Underdeep, Nolan. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing good. It's been a wonderful day. Yes, sir. (laughs) It's finally uh, not raining out here. So, finally, sun shining. Nice. Awesome. Before we move on uh, to what we've been up to, first we'd like to thank our outstanding Patreon backers. Their generous donations help to make this show possible. Absolutely. So, first up is Randy Andrews. Thank you, Randy. Randy, thanks a lot. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. We also want to give a shout-out to Greg Bruni. Greg, you're kick-ass. Thank you. Awesome. I can't wait for us to roll up your name. Bruni. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Greg. (laughs) Thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to join these fine examples listed above and buy us a beer or some tea, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. For only a couple of dollars a month, you can help us to continue to bring you discussion and actual play in the grim and gritty world of Warhammer fantasy roleplay. Patreon.com forward slash old world podcast. All right, so what kind of gaming have you guys been up to this month? All right, so I've got a couple couple quick hits I'm going to throw at you. So in the uh, world of board gaming, I recently played a game called Tapestry, hmm. which is all the rage, all the buzz right now because it's came out from the same folks who put out Scythe and Wingspan and some of the other uh, some excellent games. Uh, Stonemeyer games is what they're called. Tapestry was pretty awesome. Essentially, it's a civilization-type game where you have... A uh, each player has like a civilization that they are in charge of. They also have a capital city, which is a little board where you're building buildings onto. And all the buildings are these sweet uh, three-dimensional little buildings, some of which are huge, and a bunch of them are pre-painted, which is even nicer. Mm. And mm. it's fairly simple. You're, every turn, you're just advancing on one of the four advancement tracks. There's like a military track, uh, science, technology, and there's one other one. But every time you st- take a step up a track, you take a different action that is going to be growing your civilization. And by the time you're done, you've got you. There's a, like a world map on in the center that you're exploring and you're you're conquering. There's uh, can, a lot of interaction between players. And by the time you're done, you you will have made this civilization and you have technology that you can show for it. A built up capital city, a bunch of fun stuff. It was pretty neat. But the biggest thing, uh, <laughs> gaming <laughs> thing that I've been up to recently is Borderlands 3. You guessed it. So I've been playing the ever-loving heck out of that game. I want to say I'm up to like easily 50 plus hours. Nice. And it's been out for two weeks. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. It is, as no one can attest, it is absolutely excellent. And if it's you, amazing. Yeah. If you've ever played any of the Borderlands games, this one is even keel, right on par with what we've come to expect. Hilarious storytelling really awesome gameplay and the fact that this is the first one that's been uh, exclusively made for the current generation of systems means that it is just beautiful and awesome. So that's been my, uh, my gaming recent gaming. What about you, Steve? 
Nice. Um, Lance got me into a game called Polytopia, so I've been playing that off and on. It's kind of like, uh, what's that one game? Civilization, yeah. but just smaller for the mo- mobile device. So it, that's been interesting to play, and there's some strategy to it. I downloaded Blades. Um, it's kind of like a Skyrim game, so mm-hmm. I'm going to check out that one. looks interesting. Uh, be interesting to play that type of game. I'm used to playing it on the PC, so we'll see how the mobile version is. Other than that, I know Battlefront 2 for Star Wars had a huge update. Uh, I played that oh, really? for a good week or so once the update came out, but you know my time's short. Still have the baby, and <laughs> she, she digs up so much of my time, so I try to squeeze in where I can. Awesome. Well, um, I've been playing Polytopia, and I have a new job, and I, I mentioned it in our last episode, but it's been just insanity for me like so, so many hours um, that I've been putting in and I'm um, catching up on life stuff. So I haven't had a lot of time to do much, um, honestly. But I did get Warhammer in today. So I was super excited to play some Warhammer and some Star Wars role play. So um, that was fun. Yeah. What about you, Nolan? What have you been up to game-wise? Uh, well, mostly, uh, same with Matt. I have been basically playing Borderlands 3. Uh, been loving ever since. I did start off as Flack, but quickly switched over to Moe's because it's just the spray and pray. That's the kind of play style I like to do. Yeah. yeah. So Moe's is this young girl that you play as and she, her, like each character has their own action ability. So you could trigger Hers, it every so often. Yeah, go ahead. It's like a giant, she calls it the iron bear, but it's like a mech. That you can like uh, have either Gatling guns or rocket launches or a flamethrower on it. Yeah. So you like trigger the ability and it like a it essentially like materializes in front of you or behind you and you jump inside of it and you get to walk around in this giant mech. Huh. It's legit. And there's cool. and there's even an ability that you can put into that if you have more than one player with you, they could jump on your robot and fire another like turret that's on your robot. That's cool. I love co-op things like that. Yeah, I tell you, I've played with uh, with Kyle. He and I have been playing a bunch together online, and it's one of those games that is it is completely super smooth to jump from just solo play into multiplayer. It's balanced super well. So, like, let's say I'm playing with a level forty five, and you're playing with a level three. What you're seeing, you will see and fight level three bosses or you know enemies, and I'll see level forty five. So even if you're at dramatically different levels, it balances it out to where you can both play at the same time with no problem. Not worry about the yeah. huge highs and yep. yeah, yeah, really yeah. Cool. That it's was nice. something they uh, very much tried to strive for this game, which I honestly appreciate them doing that. Yeah, yep. But that has been mostly my uh, time. If I'm not uh, at work, I'm at home playing Borderlands. Nice. nice. So uh, announcements and news. Uh, this is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on Woofrip and related news. So uh, we got lots that have uh, happened out there. You want to get us started, Steve? Yeah, sure. In Cubicle 7 related news, uh, the developer diary number two has been released. Uh, you can get this by pre-ordering the collector's edition of The Enemy Within. Man, I wish I had that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I had the money for that. Exactly. Oh, man. I It's... I've heard a lot of, I'm not entirely sure, like people are saying that there's like information in there, there's more information, but everybody that has it is pretty tight-lipped. So 
I know the last one like gave cover releases for like upcoming books and stuff mm. and things like that, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure what number two has. So I need to maybe go pump some sources. But uh, as it is right now, um, the only way for you to get that info is to pre-order. Um, and you don't have to pre-order the entire $700 set. Just pre-order the first book ser- set in the collector's edition. I think it runs you about $150. So anyway, check that out. Yeah. Yeah, if you mm-hmm. want to get, get the inside scoop. And some more Warhammer news. Uh, this is something new I don't think we've ever seen before. It's a blog post written by Ben Sherry. Really? Ben Sherry. <laughs> the name doesn't sound familiar. Oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. More more great <laughs> more great stuff from Ben as we've we've come to expect. This one is all about career trappings, which another super interesting article talking about the the trappings you get in your career, starting trappings, starting wealth, and then how how those work within the career and how it's really meant to be more thematic than uh, like a strict guideline. Right. So he talks about how they're not, it's not mandatory. It's not, you don't need to have a trapping necessarily to go from one to, to go up to the next level. You don't, it's not required that you have those, but having them will make sense based on what you're moving into and what the expectations are both in the society of the old world and in that specific career that, Sometimes it is a status symbol, like in order for you to be uh, noble, you have to, you know, you're going to have servants that you're working with or a carriage that will carry you around or a certain amount of land. It could be a prerequisite in the sense that if you are going to be the next level engineer, you're going to have engineering tools, or it might be something that would make more sense if you're, uh, you know, rolling up an NPC character. So really good information. See the thing I love about these these articles are like it's often it's not like he's dropping some huge knowledge bombshell like oh okay now I understand like from a point of view like there's no way to figure this out before maybe the like in defensive defense that he did that really cleared some stuff up but as far as it's like he's taking some rules that like I understand it conceptually but then he puts it all here's examples here's you know expands on it and yeah. it just makes it like. Okay, it's more clear than yes, it was before. I was, yeah, I was thinking it, it's more there to just clarify what we already know. Right. And it's definitely because like with the trappings, like I was under the impression for a while that in order to move up to the next one, you did have to have those trappings. So yeah. it's like if you really wanted to make that yeah, move, that's what yeah, I you had to have three too. to four servants and that horse and 80 gold uh, uh, coins worth of jewelry. And it's yeah. like, how do you get that? <laughs> yeah. You know? That's hard. So that's awesome that you know it's not mandatory, but it's nice to know what you could you should expect your right that career to have at that point. And you know, check with your GM. Yeah, and GM <laughs> right. is your final yeah, yeah. Right. verdict. Yeah, another great article. Definitely check it out. Now we also have a new adventure that just came out called Uber's Reich's Adventure Bait and Witch. I like that name so much. It's a great yeah. name. <laughs> I think like I was like, oh, all right, uh, bought it, and that's it for the day. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, that. Yeah, it's a really cool. I mean, I don't want to ruin anything on this, but um, I'm a huge fan of maps, and there's a, a boarding house yard map in there that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Like very well designed. Mm-hmm. We got an alley map that's like a little bit of a maze, but like we said, we don't want to spoil too much. But honestly, this is probably of the Uber's Reich's adventure, the little one shots they've made. This is probably my favorite. Yeah, 
and and I honestly haven't. Um, I I've skimmed it. I haven't had a chance to fully read it. Um, I'm I'm trying to decide. I always like when a new adventure comes out. It's like, is this one that I think I might be able to convince someone to run for me? Like maybe I won't read it full on, right? Or do mm-hmm. I really want to run it? And this is one where I immediately saw and I go, hmm. I'm gonna wait to dig into this one because I I think I'm gonna try to convince somebody to run it for me. But yeah. Yeah, that's really a hard cool. choice to make because, like, with the starter set, I read it because I knew most likely we wouldn't be doing it because it's, it's a starter set. But yeah, making that choice, do I want to read the ending or <laughs> right. what the plot lines are? Uh, I'll look at the artwork then. <laughs> right. Our Battlefield allies, Garblag Games. They've released a Flint and Steel season three, so be sure to check that out. Uh, they're using a Wolfrup fourth edition and using the Uber's right background from the starter set. Their episode four has released. It has this great name, Bombs, Bones, and Bugmans. Now, if that doesn't interest you. I mean, yeah, right? Bombs, Bones, and Bugmans. That's <laughs> such a great, like, it's like, man, it's like, I want that. I want to play in that game. Yeah. Well, right? That sounds awesome. <laughs> that would be cool. Right. So, yeah, definitely go check them out. Um, Pete and the guys over at Garblad are awesome. And then, uh, Nolan, you had a, a podcast you were talking about recently, too, that um, uh, yes, uh, I found them uh, not too long ago, maybe a couple months, but I'd like to do a little shout out to the Reckless Dice podcast. Now, I've noticed uh, some of their older videos on here. They have done Warhammer 3rd Edition, and I believe they've done second. However, they are currently doing the Uber's Reich Adventures uh, this, of the starter sets. And at the time of this recording, they are on a night at the opera. But, yeah, I've, yeah, I've listened to a few of their episodes. It's definitely good stuff. The more the more Warhammer, the merrier. There's no two ways yeah. about it. Yep. Oh, all right. So, so Matt, and, yeah, hit, and, hit us with the bombshell. If, so, if unless you're living under a rock. Yes, <laughs> in the the greater role playing game world, there was a recent announcement that was a bit of a surprise, I'd say, for most people. But it has been a pleasant surprise, at least as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the Feast of Legends was just released which is a core rule book slash campaign book put out by a company you would not expect to get a role-playing game book from. And that is Wendy's, the fast food restaurant. So they released a fully fledged <laughs> rule book that is 97 pages is complete with artwork, a lot of really nice artwork maps and includes the rules in order to play a bunch of uh, different characters Uh, orders you can play as that are essentially like the classes that you would play in as well as a five part campaign, which is no small amount. That is, that is potentially weeks or months worth of Of content of content. Yep. And you can download that completely free at feastoflegends.com. So this is something like, right. We don't normally talk about like in a huge way as an announcement, other game systems a ton, but this is just so unusual. It's, I wanted to like, came out the blue yeah when you mentioned it i'm thinking like okay wendy's kind of they're trying to have fun and maybe a 10 page little thing to joke around with no this is legit artwork yeah 100 page long they fully produced really like surprisingly very nice quality product that they're giving out there the production quality is excellent yeah and the artwork is great the rules are solid. They're like uh now uh like a watered not watered down, but they're like a like a what's the word I'm looking for? It's like fi- fifth edition, but not as complicated. Yeah, like flight. 
like right a light yeah light. fifth edition yeah. light rule set or whatever and so there's a couple takes i wanted to take a so some people absolutely hate this right it's 100 percent like a pr campaign some people love it but here's here's my take right so if you were to ask me is this is this a, a pr campaign or is this a real game and my answer is yes it is both oh for sure right so if you oh yeah if you go into this saying i'm going to have fun I realize this is about Wendy's and it's a food company that's making this and all throughout, I'm going to be reminded of that and I'm going to have fun with it. Then this is going to be a fun little game for you to play. Like it's, yeah. it's awesome. Like if you're looking for a serious role-playing game, this it, is not it. <laughs> well, first off, if you're looking for a serious role-playing game, you're already playing one, right? Right. Like you're, this, yeah. this isn't necessarily going to be for you, but the fact that it's, it's to that level of production and they're giving it away completely free. Right. That's, that's a really big deal. And I, the, I know that there are people, a lot of people out there that are like, Oh, well this just brings in people to the hobby that aren't serious about it. And you know, are only here because it's a gimmick. And to that, I say, who cares? Right. Right. Like if right. somebody right. wants we to all got to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Right. If, if that's got to be their entry point to get into the genre of role playing games, yeah. so be it. They're going to have a great time. And, and if that's what all they play, and they play like ten years of their life in the the Wendy's, you the fr- know, feast of legend, wastes. frozen yeah. waste campaign, Freshtopia, it, oh, Freshtopia, dude, you're having fun, you're playing role playing, that you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I'm super excited about it. We're so excited about this that we are currently talking about running a a game and recording it. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Be be on the lookout for for more news on that soon. So yeah, check it out feastoflegends.com. It's definitely worth it, it, it's worth a look even if you couldn't care less about it. Take a look at the rules, see see what they put into it. You know, they didn't this isn't something that uh, they just whipped up in-house. Like they they clearly put the time, they hired the right people and put out a surprisingly good quality product. Okay. So, let's get on to the main topic here, the meat of our show. So, on tonight's show, we're going to talk about one of our favorite chapters in the Wolf of Core rulebook, and that's Between Adventures. Uh, we're going to go over what the rules are, how you can use them, and how you might change them to help make your Warhammer game that much better. Uh, so, Old Worlders, be ready to roll on some random tables, review your options, and cry when your GM explains the money to burn rule as we <laughs> dive into Between Adventure rules in tonight's show of the Old World Podcast. All right, to get things started, you will find the Between Adventures section is Chapter 6 of the Core Rulebook. You will find that on page 192 if you want to follow along at home. So the first thing that I'd definitely like to point out on here is that all of these rules are optional. And this is something we see throughout the entirety of the Core Rulebook. Is they, you'll see the, uh, the optional little text box in a lot of different chapters and a lot of different sections. This one is no different. They don't want to force you to do this necessarily if you don't want to, but in our experience so far, it's been something that is interesting and can can generate extra additional role-playing opportunities and just injects a little bit of fun into that downtime that's going to happen in between your long, you know, long-running campaigns or, or big adventures that you're going on. So keep that in mind. It's not required to keep it in, but I would definitely suggest giving it a shot. Yeah, it's definitely something I, I look forward to now that we've done it a few times. Uh, the first thing that happens is each player rolls on the events table. And from this table, it's it's uh, 0 to 100 again. Um, 
or one to a hundred, I should say. But there are random events uh, which may affect your character, the entire party, or per- perhaps even the next adventure. Right. I think um, this is Matt's favorite section. I think. Yeah. I. I mean, our longtime listeners will know that I'm I'm a fan of any time you get to roll on a big table, and there are uh, I think thirty, twenty nine, or thirty different possible events that you can roll up. And these are all just just a way to add a little bit of extra randomness, a little bit of extra intrigue. In fact, in our um, most recent actual play, you would have heard us. Um, we right before we recorded that, we did a between adventures, and one of the things we came up with was that there was a a like mysterious um, peddler. merchant peddler, yeah, yeah that yeah. came through that had some you know some news for us, and that that helped just bump up the intrigue a little bit. And there's. There's just a lot of variety in here. So, you know, each each oper- or each um, different event has like a three or, you know, between a two and four percent chance that you are going to roll it. So it's not like you're likely to get one more than the other. And there's definitely some interesting ones in here. Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to the expansion. Right, so uh, expansion of this chapter, but they in general, but the events table specifically so when we get expansions where they're going to go over additional uh, between adventure stuff i think events table is one that i'm looking for so 30 is good but i I really want more yeah yeah like i think it'd be cool if they had a a different entry from 1 to 100 right but that's i mean i honestly even now i think there's enough variety here that you i mean you could play this game for years and and still have some have some fun things come up right Right, and and I have to say too, this is um, and we've talked about these in the past, so we've given lots of examples. But it's it's, it's very random. Everything from weather yeah. to to getting your purse stolen. Yeah, exactly. So, betrayals to you know, yeah. death of a family yeah. member. And I also I like it because and it helps with the GM bring more into the table. It's like, well, I don't know exactly how to help these characters that just got into town. Roll three events. Okay, now you got a session. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah, good could, idea. Honestly, it could be an entire session, right? Right. And, and there sure. are even some in here that that talk about how it it some of these might not be things that are going to be resolved just in that sitting, and and really, it, you know, developing something or or using one of these random events to potentially make a nemesis that your your party is going to find down the road, or you know, one of them is uh, is. Uh, Moore's embrace one of your character's relatives, friends, or allies dies. It could be a character uh, or like an NPC that they've known for a long time that would actually like seriously impact the whole party. Might be a relative that that leaves them some inheritance, or might be a relative that is highly in debt, and those people right. come, you know, start coming after them. There's Port a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There there can be a lot that happens with this, so I I really enjoy it for sure. Uh, some of them even kind of help you. I mean, 34 to 36, forewarned is forearmed. You get to increase your fortune point for the next adventure by one. Yeah. And, like that is that could be like, critical. That, that, that's maybe something all you need is just that one more. Yep. Yep, exactly. Having several players pushing the limits of corruption in my game, I could tell you. Oh, they yeah. Want we, those. we burn through fortune like it's free, <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> 
Yeah. And it, well, yeah. And, and speaking more to that, it's, you know, some of these are going to be very specific to a, an individual person. Some are going to be specific to the weather in the area. Some are specific to crime that's happening in the, you know, in the whole world or, you know, an event that's happening, a big festival or something. There's, there's just, there's a lot of variety here. All right. Which moves us on to endeavors. So want to take us through the start of our endeavors chapter? As with the events, how it kind of shows you what happened in that town, endeavors are the little day-to-day that the players will go through. However, some of them are money to burn. Yeah, like, this was money a- to burn is probably will be one of the most optional. I can see some people maybe not wanting to go this route. And and I I can see that because I think it's probably the one that that the rule that I see most talked about as like uh, as a potential negative, but I can tell you having done a couple of between adventure sessions now, I actually think that it's it's genius, um, because it does two things: it forces players to think about what they're going to do with their money, and if they really want to keep it then they need to do a banking endeavor, which there is risk, you know, along with that, which we'll talk a little bit more. But I can tell you, like recently, a lot of, so like in the Old World podcast, uh, the couple times we've done it, a lot of times, you know, the players will like, all right, I'm going to just go spend all my money before I lose it. Okay, great. And that works out to a certain extent. But like, you know, our noble over here, Conrad, often will do a banking endeavor. And then later on, He's the only one with money, and he's bankrolling everything. Like, okay, we're going to do this. This is dangerous. We need to buy lamp oil. It's like the number. I need to increase the cost of lamp oil in my game. Anyway, like you just you're just making room for more lamp oil businesses to yeah, come in. Drive, that, right. drive the price back down. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, like it's just um, it, and it makes for interesting, right? If I don't know. Anyway, money to burn. Basically, you have to spend all your money right yeah. now or it's yeah. gone it's yeah. just gone yeah so mo- money to burn is a is a rule that ties along with this it's this in itself isn't an endeavor right so right. you after you've you've rolled you have the option to go and, bu- and spend money on things and whether you do or not if you don't take a banging endeavor that money's gone and i i think one of the things that's neat about it is that in my experience at least playing role-playing games it's the whole goal is to get more money to upgrade your gear, right? To buy more armor, to get a new weapon, to right. do this or that. When the reality is you're still a living person within a world that has to survive, that has to eat, that has to shelter themselves, that has to, you know, there's plenty of things that in your day-to-day life you have to spend money on. Uh, despite my best efforts, I can't just save my money and then buy more games or, you know, <laughs> drop it on a new computer, a new TV. Like I have to pay rent and I have to buy food and I have to clothe my children. So that's where that money goes. And the whole idea, right. Is that you, um, you can spend the money, you know, somewhere, all the money you have to, on other things. But at the end of the day, if you're not smart about it, it's going to, it's going to go away. Now, besides uh, money to burn, there's also duties and responsibilities. So, uh, the last time we all four of us together, we had the witches and the witch hunter. And as the witch hunter rises up, he's going to have underlings. Well, unfortunately, you can't just toss your responsibilities to a side. You got to use an endeavor to keep up your status and your income with that. So, Yeah, so essentially it says once you hit the third or fourth career or fourth, third or fourth tier of any career that you 
you're all, all but required to take a, a with great power endeavor in order to maintain that. Or, or it drops you down. Yeah, or you, or you drop down a status level, which essentially is a, a 100 XP loss. Or, or yeah, and a huge status demotion dependent, yeah. dependent too. So it is worth noting that essentially if you are forced back down, all you have to do to get back up is spend another 100 XP, but that's 100 XP. Like that's Right, so that's almost like, do you want to pay 100 XP to do a different endeavor than this one, right? Yeah, right. Well, and there are some, and it, we'll get into this a little bit later, but there's some ways around that too. Right. And it, it, like anything, it's up to you and your GM to determine what the exact circumstances are. It's also worth noting that certainly there are some careers that don't require, you know, that thematically would not require you to spend a whole endeavor to keep up appearances, but other ones like nobles and uh, probably any of the academics. Guildmasters, yeah, watch exactly. captains, yeah. so on. And the final one is elf improvement. So elves being all, you know, tootie tootie that they think they are <laughs> have to do uh, an endeavor just to keep the elf status. So basically running, being an envoy to their, to uh to kind of explaining what they're all doing. So if you're an elf, chances are you're going to be taking at least one endeavor just to do this. So you're effectively down to two endeavors every time you have an in-between session. Yeah. Two endeavors at most. That would be if you're, if the, the between adventure is long enough to have three endeavors. And like we were saying, some of the events, there's some events where one of them was a festival. You lose an endeavor because of that. Yeah. So you're basically down to one, which you know, and if you have money to burn, uh, I got to basically go shopping or I lose everything. Right. Yeah. And this is, I can tell you, so first off, this only applies if you're doing three endeavors, right? That's so true. if you're doing two or less, it doesn't affect. Um, but I would mm-hmm. recommend in most cases, depending on your storyline, um, just go ahead and pull the trigger on three. Um, but I can tell you, like Janet, you know, with, with her character, Lynn Morell, she she struggled right with where we're sitting here with three endeavors to choose from. She was like, Oh man, I only got two basically. Yeah. And it was harder for her, but it was interesting too. Don't, don't uh, definitely don't go into it thinking like, Oh, because I'm an elf, I'm losing an endeavor that just because you're forced to do this one or I mean forced necessarily, but you certainly should take that as an opportunity to have another role playing element or to have uh, you know, role play out what happened when you took this endeavor. Uh, I know we did that. We actually all but made a whole session around it. It was kind of like a little mini session, but right. it was when Lynn had to go and meet up with uh, another high elf. You know, they had a short conversation that honestly is still impacting our play six or eight months later. Yeah. So don't, don't look at it as a negative. There's definitely some fun that can be had there. Absolutely. And uh, so those are so let's let's get into our general endeavor. So obviously we're not going to go through like every single endeavor in depth here, um, but I do want to touch base. Um, there are not a ton of endeavors in this chapter yet. However, again, we know that Cubicle Seven has said that they're going to be more endeavors with their expansions. I fully expect that our first, um, you know, set of companion books will start to have additional, especially when we move out of the Reichland. I think we're going to have region specific endeavors. Sure. Yeah. So, um, well, and even with there not being, I mean, you know, there's outside, including the class specific one, there's like maybe 15 or 20 
Right. Even even that many. There's enough variety here, and some of these are are multi level endeavors, and some that you know work off each other and things. There's a there's a fair amount to get even just with what we already have. Right. Right. And then something else too is uh, before this gets in, it talks about flying solo. It's like a little optional rule section there that it lists just talking about how you can role play out um, things and you can do some endeavors as a group depending. And we kind of on our last one sort of did that right. Our our characters were essentially in hiding while they were trying to do endeavors for two weeks. And so there was a lot of role playing opportunities and teamwork to I need to send somebody else to go do X, Y, and Z do for my, my endeavor, for yeah, yeah, or whatever the, the it might be. So, so to touch base on some of these, uh, animal training is pretty straightforward. Like if you have some sort of pet, this is a great way to, you know, help you uh, significantly train your your mount or your war dog or whatever it yeah. might be. Essentially, you take any bestial creature and they gain the trained um, trait, creature trait, which. Right, which which is huge. If you go yeah. read that, there's different things that you can do with that. Train your dragon, right? Train a squig. <laughs> Ooh, a squig. Even better. Think about it. Ooh. Right? So, so if, listeners, I just want to say this. I think Steve and I were talking about this, and we're like, the squig is kind of like a land shark. I think it's Sharknado. What about Squignado? <laughs> I want to see that movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds amazing. It does. <laughs> so um, the next endeavor is banking. Now, this is really important. We talked a little bit about banking, but basically banking is a way for you to keep money, right? So you have money to burn means you lose all your money. But if you do a banking endeavor, you don't. You get to keep your money and you can return get in a return on your investment. There's a couple of different options here. You can literally invest it with a bank. Um, and you can stash your money, um, and both have benefits like risk to it, right? So you can roll and lose all your money. So you might use it. There's a possibility that you have an endeavor and you essentially lose all the money. So like, Oh, I got 10 gold crowns. I need to keep these. I know we're going to need them. I'm going to invest them and then roll badly and they're gone. Yeah. That represents either the institution that you're banking with going bankrupt or being robbed or alternatively, if you're just stashing your money somewhere, well, somebody happened across your stash and they decided to keep them for themselves. Right. And you can choose like the nice thing is, is it's kind of a pressure luck with the banking too. So you can choose your interest rate and that's also your risk. So higher risk, higher return rate, but higher chance of you losing your money. So very interesting. Yeah. Can you use fortune points to reroll that? So I would I th- allow it, but you would <laughs> I, lose the fortune point for your next session, I think. Oh, okay. Is how I would do it. I mean, but maybe not. I almost think no. You I, almost I, think yeah. no? It might be I in, it might take be in there. I want to take a corruption point. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I would allow it for corruption because corruption is a lot more permanent of a right because fortune points, you just wait a session and you get more. But yeah. But yeah now I like, I like the way you're thinking, Nolan. That is going to be my new rule from now on is – you're, if you want to use a reroll, great. Take a corruption during. Uh, Matt and Steve are hating you right now, Nolan. <laughs> uh, like, like you needed any more excuse to give us corruption? <laughs> right. You're already at my limit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I can just imagine it's like, oh, uh, I took a corruption point and uh, succeeded on this one. Oh, I'm sorry, I looked into the wrong uh, desk, and here's your money. Yep. Now I have a tentacle arm. <laughs> yeah. Right. But at least I've got my 
eight gold crowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so worth it. <laughs> Drinks are on me. Right. Oh, man. So, okay. So moving on, additional changing career. This is basically a cheaper way for you to change, you know, bump up to your career, change your career um, without spending the 100 XP or with spending the 100 XP if you don't have all the requirements kind of thing. Um, again, dependent on discussing with you and the GM. Um, commission, I think, is is fascinating, right? So if you want like a custom, like they use an example, a custom helm, but what if I want a custom sword with, you know, something engraved or something done special, right? Um, so you can commission things. Um, that's an awesome one. Um, consultant expert. This is something that is very storyline driven too, right? So let's say that you're in a situation where you have a bunch of clues going a bunch of different ways. And let's say you're trying to figure out anything from like a, like a background on the local ruler or, you know, you need to do some research into the lineage or something, those sort of things like that might be consultant expert. What if you need to understand what is going on with this magical item? We have not in play been able to figure it out, maybe consultant expert. So those are some ideas too. Yeah. More things that can influence role-playing and that can potentially have a big impact on your adventure. Maybe we should pay closer attention to this, Steve, in our next, uh, between adventures, right? <laughs> yeah, seems like that might help. So, some of the other um, endeavors you can do. One is crafting. This is if uh, this is you crafting an item if you have the skill to do it and the tools and the materials. Another great way to potentially make an item that you that you can't find or can't come across for whatever reason. And there's a fair amount of rules that go along with this. So, some of those being how available the item is you're trying to craft is going to influence how difficult the, the test is going to be in order to make it. What you make also, depending on the number of success levels, they might come with qualities or flaws. Uh, pros or cons, obviously, to the item that you've made. So this is basically crafting rules to a smaller extent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I fully expect once we have runesmiths, we're going to have a whole set of magical crafting rules and stuff. I'm super excited it's true that would be awesome so there's another um text box that is included on this page as well that is called do me a favor and this is talking about favors that you are either giving or receiving and how significant they are so um it lists three different types a minor favor which may only take a few hours and that can be um resolved in only a single endeavor a major favor might take a week or more that would need two favors. And ultimately, if you take on a significant favor, that's something that might take months and is expected to be role-played. So that's kind of neat, a nice way to, to outline that. The next one, and this is one that is, I imagine, probably fairly common, that is the income endeavor. And this is your you as a character doing what you do in, within the world to make money. So this is where your status comes into play. When you take this endeavor, you earn an amount of money equal to your status. And this is essentially just doing the odds and ends, the jobs that you normally would in order to earn money. Another great way to get some if you are low or didn't earn a lot in your last adventure. Right. So you can use this endeavor to offset the... Correct. You can maintain a status. Right. Yeah, essentially, it can it can function similarly to the with great power right. endeavor. Right. So depending on the career, if you take this endeavor, that will count as your 
your requirement to maintain that status. Which almost begs the question, why would you ever do the other? Yeah, that's a good question. Because if I can earn money and meet the requirement versus meet the requirement and not earn money, am I missing something? Well, maybe uh, your skill that you use to make the money isn't that great. Oh, yeah. Good call. That's Yeah. There you go. That's the reason. And other, like, other role-playing elements, too. Yeah. Yum. Yeah. Good call, Nolan. Like, the, I can totally see, like, maybe if you fail your income endeavor, that hurts your status still. Right. So that's kind of that whole, well, I'll just pay an endeavor now because I have a 10 in worship, you know? So, but I, and then, you know, as you level that up, uh, you don't have to use an endeavor anymore, and I can get five gold crowns out of it. All right. The next endeavor we'll talk about is Invent. This one is really awesome and it reminds me of like just goblins or not goblins uh well potentially goblins and gnomes like dwarves tinkering away in workshops coming up with you know crazy inventions that they could use in play and i love that this uh, it references repeating pistols which of course we all know about but also pigeon bombs which yes boy that sounds delightful <laughs> sounds fun yeah. it's actually actually a rule for Empire engineers in the Warhammer battle games, they have pigeon bombs. You can pay an extra points and get them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially if you have the trade engineering, you can attempt to invent something. Now you're not necessarily just by inventing. It doesn't mean that you are also crafting it. Inventing it is essentially just coming up with the plans in order for it to be made that you would then either need to craft or commission in order to, to actually make it. But this is uh, some really neat stuff and some really I can only imagine that there have been some really unique ideas out there on things that have been invented. Right. So the next two endeavors are some that I think are incredibly important and some of the most useful. And those are training and unusual learning. So training is an endeavor that allows you to train in a skill or characteristic outside of your career as if it were in your career, which can oftentimes be super useful if you have a skill that's really low and something that you know you're going to have to use in this case, you spend the XP like you normally would, but you also have to spend a certain amount of money as well. So in order to train in a skill or characteristic, it is the cost and XP plus 1d10 brass pennies. Yeah, I think uh, so. I often see this to I need to go grab heal or I need to go grab like I, I found this awesome pistol. I don't know how to shoot it. Yeah. Let me let me go grab, you know the skill for that black powder yep so those are like the ways that can really make a difference um where and between adventure session gives you as a player an option to ex to expand your character beyond what their career might dictate yeah um but I'll still allow you to stay in the career that you might like or love yeah it also references specifically that this would cross over with consulting an expert. In order to train in something, you need to find somebody that can teach you on how to do it, as well as the potentially taking on a favor in order to, right. you know, if you potentially if you can't pay or even if you can, you may have to take on a favor in order to use it uh, to be able to do this endeavor. The next one that I think this one uh, even more so is really, really fun and can be really useful is unusual learning. And this lets you learn a talent outside of what your career can offer. So th as we know, as we've, we've looked through this and uh, played and, and rolled up characters, there are so many amazing talents 
that can be super useful and can be really interesting to use depending on your character. And a lot of times you, depending on what career you're in, you might not even be able to take on those talents. So this is a way that you can get it. It's not easy. You might spend XP and lose it, but if you can pull it off, it'll let you train in a talent that you can't normally get. Right. And this is, this is a way for you to really, I mean, I almost could repeat what I said last time with skills, but it's, it's a way for you to really gain some sort of very specific, like, for example, like one thing that keeps coming to mind for me is like Kingpin. Maybe you have access to criminal, but not Kingpin. Mm, yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and that might be a way like, I really want Kingpin. I don't want to jump entire careers to go get it. This would be a way that you could do that. Yep. Convince your GM and do this way. Yeah. This is one of those things that definitely would need a lot of, um, communication between you and your GM to make sure it all works and fits in with the, the story and with the world. But it's really neat. This is going to be a little bit more expensive. So you have to pay for the skill or characteristic. It was 1d10 plus the XP, 1d10 brass pennies. In this case, for the talent, it is 2d10 silver shillings per 100 XP. Which could be so if you're, a lot. So if you're taking the, you know, <laughs> if you want to get up to a third level talent, you're spending uh, 60 10 brass penny or uh, silver shillings to get there, which could be really expensive. It could but be, yeah. Then again, getting a second or third advance in a talent could be pretty substantial too. So this is really neat. This is one that I I would personally look at more often than not. Right. All right. Moving on to class endeavors. So this is pretty much based on which class you have for your character. Um, the rangers and warriors have their combat training endeavor. And this is basically, if you succeed, you may reverse a test with the associated skill once during your next adventure. So it could be one of those critical things where that one roll was very critical, you botched it, you can yeah. fix it. Yeah, that the the 91 that you rolled looks a lot better as a 19. <laughs> right. So. Yep. <laughs> well, and this, so I find this one fascinating because this one, compared to a lot of the other endeavors, is very temporary, Right. I'm going to spend an endeavor and not gain a skill that's outside of my wheelhouse or, or not gain money or, you know, something like that. It is very like you get a bonus to use in your next session. Well, it's not next session. It's next adventure. Oh, next adventure. But still, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. That could be. I mean, if you hold on to it to the right point of view. Okay. So it's a little more, but it's, it's still one of those things that's like, but I could see, really see like if I'm a warrior that's already spent all my fate and I have you know, that could be the thing that saves me when I'm fighting the, you know, giant rat ogre. Yeah. And I need to win this and I have no resilience or faith. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning too that in this case for the combat training, there's very little risk. So if you fail, all you're missing, you're losing an endeavor. Whereas if you attempted to get a talent and failed, you're losing money and you're losing XP with nothing to show for it. Right. So and in I would- this case, like... I know that in our last Between Adventures, I did this with my warrior priest, and I still have a couple opportunities because I did it twice. Right. And you got a couple opportunities for it, yeah, to to have a a pretty substantial impact in combat. Man, that little gnome warrior priest is going to (laughs) be insane in in combat. Except for his strength is like 25. (laughs) (laughs) And here's another thing I was thinking of. I'm not sure if there's the, what do they call it, the quality on melee weapons, but there's damaging 
on range weapons. As you said, like, okay, I passed with, uh, let's say, 56. But with the damaging, if I can switch that and make that uh, 6, the number of success levels, you know, maybe sometimes that combat training might come in a little bit more useful. That's yeah. a really interesting that... uh, notion. It really yeah. is. Yeah, good, that's, good thought. You know, a way to kind of bang or, you know, combo those off each other to make a, what would be a successful hit into a really successful hit. Nolan, the power gamer, man, finding yeah. all the <laughs> insides of the system. Life, man. There yeah. you go. <laughs> nice. Find. I, don't know how to I hadn't thought of that. Good. Right. <laughs> if you're a burger or peasant, you also can choose a foment descent endeavor. This is basically kind of like you're working up a crowd to be against something or maybe for something pro anti <laughs> right. your, your enemy or a business or something that you need to maybe even cause a distraction. Yeah. So I like this because it's a great opportunity for like role playing for story driven advance. Like you as a character could potentially have a large impact on a specific situation by using this endeavor, um, which is a, great way for you as a player to potentially push forward your agenda regardless of what the the gm says yeah yep (laughs) like if you're in a town that has a corrupt baron for example instead of trying to take him on yourself you just turn the whole town against them and you're all set see the problem with doing these episodes is you guys get all these ideas which is (laughs) it's actually awesome but i'm sitting here going great they're going to be pushing me for a between adventures session right now uh, moving on, if you're a ranger or river folk, there's an endeavor called The Latest News. Pretty yeah. much, uh, if you succeed, um, you learn an interesting rumor. Uh, each success level adds another rumor. So pretty much, if you have the information that you kind of want, uh, this is a good one to take. You might just get it. And then some. I think it's worth noting here that it is important that you're, there's communication between you and your GM. Something like this, you might think, well, I'll just... You know, I'll ask a question or I'll, I'll see if I can get some gossip at the beginning of the next session when we're in a tavern, which is what a lot of people would normally do. So there has to be some incentive to do to choosing this right as a endeavor versus just trying to add this into a, a normal role playing session. That, and that's a really good point um, because so like if you were to bring that to me because my initial thought is I would do exactly like it. Let me give you some rumors for choosing this. But if you brought it to me like, hey, there's no reason I couldn't just do this in game. I'm using an endeavor that's kind of a big spend. I would be like, you're right. I'm going to make sure this that the information you get this is, is juicy. This is worth it. It's yeah, worth exactly. It. Yeah. 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 Good yeah. point. Uh, if you're academics, burgers, or courtiers, reputation. Uh, basically, this is you're pretty much exerting your influence uh, and you're trying to elevate your status. So this is kind of a boost to your rep- reputation. Um, if you don't kind of dress apart, look apart, your reputation suffers. This is a good way to bring it back up or maintain it in general. Yeah, or if you fail, you could actually lose status. Right, exactly. <laughs> wicked too. I wonder if you could use this to move your standing above where you currently are. Well, it does. So you can increase your standing by one, and a astounding, astounding success lets you increase it by two. But it's all only for the next adventure. Yeah. But the thing I was thinking is, right, use your reputation here, right, as a, for example, a noble, 
and oh, then saying- then use an income endeavor because now you jumped from gold one to what is it gold two or gold three yeah. for the next step. Like so, I I think all it's referring to when it says next standing, it wouldn't be. I don't read that necessarily as the next career level, but just plus one to your standing. So if you were at gold two, you could take this endeavor and you'd go up to gold three. You know, I could see this being better as more of if you have a adventure where it's maybe you're in a role playing with nobles. Yes. And, you know, increase my reputation up so that I'm not just noble, I'm that noble. Yes. That's a and good call. It'll help that, you uh, yeah. with conversations, rumors. You spend money to get even get access to the court, right? Like right, I'm exactly. a wealthy merchant, but I can't get into the nobles' so I need court. To raise Let my me status. Yeah. That's so this is this is has less potential than I thought. Because I was thinking you could just use this to bump your earning potential, which you could, but then it costs you all of your earning potential to do it. So yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's yep. yeah. And then So uh, yeah, this this one is a little more uh, specific. Yeah, less very, very focused on when right. you should use it, but uh, interesting nonetheless. Uh, if you're an academic, you can research lore. This is another great way for you as a player to try and to either work with your within within the adventure to to figure stuff out. Right, exactly. It really has to play play with lore. So if you got uh, one lore where you can um, pick out plants and 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 do that, well, you can pretty much you can I would say maybe find an interesting piece of information or hidden knowledge like let's say you have this glowing mushroom <laughs> right <laughs> now you can use this to kind of oh what are the properties i could use that in the future grind it blah 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 right that's actually a, a perfect example so, of how you might use this to gain knowledge that might be extremely useful to your party in an adventure man why are you smirking like a goon <laughs> I, I see you over there. <laughs> like how when we did our last Between Adventures, it was like, oh, I need to spend gold. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a... When none of us were like, let's None of None let's of you plan cared about, about moving the, the it forward. You planned about moving your characters forward. That's right. Right. Which I think that's kind of a, a classic thing that we all fall into, right? It's, right. It's, you have to... One one element to playing role playing games is making decisions that are going to be for the good of the group and the good of the story, and not just for the good of yourself. Right, right. Yeah. It can be hard to break that. I call that the MMO mentality, right? Everything oh, yeah. is about moving your character to the next level. Yeah. And um, no, I mean it's fine. It's definitely fine for something to do. But I definitely think uh, like a seasoned group of role players that's using these rules. Like you've been playing a, like a, a year or two or something like that, and you know I could see where a seasoned group would be like, okay, guys, forget all this income stuff, forget about learning extra, you know, talents or careers, or especially if you've already kind of got your character where you're happy with them for the most part. You can be like, all right, how are we going to leverage as a group? You do a research lore. You go get the yeah. you know river folk you know gossip. Let's let's figure everything we can about this you know necromancer that we know nothing about, you know, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I think one thing that we could do, uh, or anybody could do, especially as a GM for a group that's doing between adventures is find a way to incentivize these lesser endeavors for your players, right? Don't yeah. just say, you know, don't, don't necessarily leave it. I mean, leave it entirely up to them, but show right. them what they're missing. Right. Right. That's or a good what point. They could miss. That's a good point. That, that 
how important it might be to get the latest news or to to uh, the importance for having a higher social standing when you're going on your next adventure. That's not saying that you're railroading your players into doing these endeavors, but just let them know what the right. potential is if they were to take them. Yeah, these Gosh. will definitely help. Um, and the last one, if you're a rogue, study a mark. And this one is is actually really, really cool because, I mean, if you know you need to get into this specific bank or merchant's house, uh, this allows you to kind of study that mark. Or Baron's Manor. Impersonate him. Or Baron's Manor. <laughs> <laughs> and this will help you in your plan. Um, this will definitely, you know, if you need to impersonate someone, that'll help you pass your test better. Um, get you lay out of the land more information just in general it's decent and you can yeah. take it multiple times as you can with i think most of these and you know it's it's funny because i know we're jesting back and forth with our actual play game a little bit here but like every time we do i say this about the career episodes right we get done with a career and i go my gosh now that we've done this i want to play this career it's way cooler than i thought it was like, mm-hmm. and I already thought Between Adventures was cool, but like having this round discussion about each of the individual ones, like it's helping me see potentials I hadn't considered before. Yeah. And it's like, man, the Between Adventures is even cooler than I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. That wraps up the class specific endeavors. Uh, definitely mm-hmm. use them to your advantage or just your gameplay or the storyline. If you know it might help the whole team by just taking one of these, I'd go for it. Especially the format descent one. I mean, I can just imagine a mob being created yeah. in front of a building or a baron's place. Yeah, gives me some thoughts. I yeah, like, like if that there's one's gonna come up a few times. Yeah, yeah. I feel you're... like I feel like Steve and Matt are sitting here going, "We need to talk we, after yeah. this." Did I just convince Lance that we get to do between adventures before our next session? Perfect. Hey, townsfolk, I think that there might yeah. be a necromancer in this mansion. Let's <laughs> let's let you do our dirty work. All right, so what about using rules in different editions um, or even different games? Um, you want to take us through some of these thoughts, Nolan? Sure. Uh, as, we dis- as we just discussed, the events can really help shape your adventure. So another RPG that uh, I have talked about is Shadow of the Demon Lord, which, like Warhammer, the world's going to heck and there's nothing we can really do about it. So let's say your adventurers you know, happen to stop in the town, roll a couple events, and oh no, you wake up and six uh, medium demons have just shown into the town. Roll for corruption, and I hope you have a weapon on you. <laughs> nice. Yep. Uh, but I really do like the events because they can really help shape in, like, Shadow of the Demon Lord. In Dungeons and Dragons, in Shadowrun, even the this feast. I even after looking at it a little bit, I was thinking like, okay, what are some events that we can uh, come up with and decide to run with this? Oh my gosh, my, my mind is going crazy. Like I'm thinking about an aval- a frosty avalanche as as an yeah. event that happens, right? Cheese <laughs> yeah. feast. It's cold. I can't. I can't wait to run this game. Yeah. Uh, all I could just think about is like, oh no, chocolate frosting. Oh, uh, even so, even different editions of of Warhammer. Oh, right. For other editions of Warhammer, it's oh, like, yeah. it's already done. Like the right. works, it's already done there. I mean, you can adapt anything that's on there very easily over to a different edition of Warhammer. And in fact, I think the first time we met Graham Davis, he was telling us how like 
the old school grognards that say, I'm not going to play fourth. I don't care. He says, but they almost all would tell him the between adventures. Yeah, we'll be using that in our first edition game. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a it's a great rule set. Yeah. And really, even straight out of the book, I feel like the events table is ready to go for pretty much any fantasy role playing game you're going to do. Like, it, yeah, it, actually, it would only need like minor adjustments. Taking this and then adapting it to a system like Star Trek or Star Wars, that would definitely be a little bit more of an undertaking, but... But doable. But doable, yeah. 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 All right, now, as we also have discussed many times, adding more to the rules, more events and endeavors. We have all discussed, uh, I can see totally, depending on where the Warhammer world will go. So right now we're in the Reichsland, I can see maybe... If we have a supplement that goes up to Nordland, mm. uh, we'll maybe get attacked by Nor- uh, the Nor- Norsica, the the Vikings up there. Or if we're in Sterland, the vampire mm. vampire corruption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Location or, specific. Yeah. Like events. I think about yeah. Lustria and you roll on that random table and like snake swarms or bugs or fever pox oh rental downpour for two weeks oh man yeah. there could be so many really cool yeah and you don't have to wait for cubicle seven to publish this stuff man go do it yourself yeah it's, yeah well it is it is refreshing to know that we've have had it confirmed from cubicle seven that they have every intention of doing putting right. out more of this so yeah we don't mm-hmm. we're not holding our breath we know what's coming eventually right right but I think that's this is so far a very like we all say in other things like oh it's a good skeleton kind of game like I feel like this is a very meaty skeleton of events and endeavors of what we have now even if every new supplement maybe adds five new events and five more de- endeavors that's still I think a pretty good increase to what we have now agreed agreed yeah, and it gets to the point where it's not that I'm not. Sometimes there can be too many endeavors to choose which ones. It'll wreck your brain. Like, what do I choose? I only got two or three, depending on two or three weeks, and it's you know it might get mm-hmm. to the point where it's like you just got to sacrifice what you might want for something else. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Too too much of a good thing can be bad. Right. So yeah. I yeah. think when it comes to endeavors, especially. Forget you guys. I want 100 Endeavors, Cubicle 7. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I would be lying if I told you I wouldn't be all over a uh, roll a D1000 on the events table oh, to see yeah. what... Uh, uh-huh. Oh, Yes. So, okay, guys. So, in conclusion, let's let's wrap this up with, with your guys' thoughts on everything. Matt, what, what, are, your, what are your final thoughts here? So, this, this actually kind of goes against a little bit of what I've said uh, so far. Um, I think the Between Adventures chapter is really cool, but I think it's important to not go into it having too high of expectations because in our experience doing this, it's been really interesting. It's added some role-playing elements, but it also can be kind of a slog through it if you're uh-huh. not paying close enough attention. And if you don't know the rules well enough, or if you don't know the endeavors well enough or what you want to do, it can be the first time, especially when we did Between Adventures, right. it was like two and a half hours right, for three players to get through this and like decide what they wanted. So while there's a lot of good stuff here, I'd be mindful, I guess be mindful. Yeah. And be, uh, it would definitely be to your benefit to come to the table with some idea about what you want to do. So I think 
one of the things that could be really important is that not only have your GM know well how these all function, but then it's the other thing too. It's only 10 pages. Right. This is one of the smallest chapters in any role-playing book I've ever seen. So in fact, I think maybe the GM chapter is shorter, but even then 10 pages is not much to where this isn't something that you couldn't, um, you know, get to your players, photocopy your book or whatever to get this to your players so that they can come into it knowing what they want to do. That being said, there's some awesome stuff you can get out of this. And I definitely would not suggest skipping over it or not utilizing these rules. I would just make sure that you, you and your players come into it knowing that it might take a little bit to get through and that the more you do it, the easier that's going to be. And that's where some of what I've said so far too talks about, you know, having, giving your players some idea about what kind of benefits and, and, uh, or rewards or, or the opposite that they would get by doing the different endeavors. And I realize that means for GMs a little bit more prep, but. Or, or if you're a player and you want to do this and you guys haven't done this before, have your GM come listen to this episode. It, yeah. We've done all the heavy lifting for, for them. We've walked through, then they all just got to do is read through and then. Yeah, hopefully by the end of this, it'll give you some idea about what what endeavors you find value in, which ones you don't, and go with, with what sounds good and what you think would be fun to do at the table. Excellent. Nolan, what are your final thoughts here? So, as weird as it might sound, I like a little bit of randomness and or, in the spirit of Warhammer, chaos. <laughs> so, I look at this, I like what we're doing right now with this event's. Before this, when I first got this, I looked at the events and like, I have no idea what any of this means. Like, the endeavor, like, even looking through it. But going through it with, you know, with you guys and just listening to other broadcasts doing this, it really does. So, I like what we're doing right now. I think the events are very good. And, like we said earlier, ha- don't know what you want to do for a session roll it okay you got unusual mercenaries for your event makes a quick session out of that this actually kind of reminds me a little bit um from star wars at the end of every session or in between sessions at some point you roll to see if anybody's um obligation will trigger obligation yeah and obligation and and, and duty and all that yeah, yeah yeah it's different based on the different systems but essentially obligation is like could be a, a handful of things you it might be like uh an old rival that's coming back to the you know uh, call you out or an addiction that you have that is going to get worse over the next session it's one of those ways the events at least a way to like just pull in a little bit of or influence potentially influence the next session that you're going to play agree 100 percent. steve what are your final thoughts Uh, My final thoughts are pretty much kind of the same as Matt's. Uh, Just going into it, knowing, reading through it first, and then pretty much use what you can for your career. Like me, I'm a noble. I usually do banking because I'm kind of like the the money guy. Um, So I anticipate that, you know, and it really helps the team out, you know, just by the small things. Um, And then also I really use... uh, training and unusual learning a lot because I'm a noble. I really don't plan to make that next step up for a while yet. And I want those skills and characteristics and talents that I don't have. So those I really use almost every single time. And that's why my character has so many skills that are helpful learning 
Furious Assault, so on and so forth. It really helps your character uh, to stay alive. So, and definitely as it moves on, uh, once your character is you know a year or two old, definitely I'll be using the other stuff as well. Once I get used to it, to advance the storyline, help, help out the team, right? Uh, so on and so so forth. But uh, yeah, just reviewing it again, just really. You know, I was so focused on my character that I I wouldn't have really thought about the reputation or stu- studying a mark or, you know, but that's more career specific. But um, those are really impactful if yeah, you right. use them right. Agreed. And uh, I, I actually, I guess I would say kind of three things. First off, just a reminder that this is optional, not just in we don't have to use the whole chapter, but the bits and pieces within, right? So don't be afraid, like like Matt had mentioned earlier, right? Like, Hey GM, I'm spending an, an endeavor on this. Well, let's make sure that's worth it. You know, yeah. um, things like, uh, you know, try to help it make sense in the storyline. And if it doesn't, if like this endeavor, like this endeavor is what I want to do. It doesn't really make sense here. We'll tweak it. See what you can do. Um, this should be a fun part too. Like if you're playing, if you're doing a between adventures session, which I argue that you, basically have to dedicate a session to it almost like at least an hour or two depending um you really should um you know make it fun it's got to be fun and then if you're not going to use it at the table you one other option you could do this right you could say all right players you know in two weeks we're going to have our next game um via email i need to have everyone's endeavors chosen and let me you know and all that yeah so speed things along a lot it, it yeah, was sure. so you don't have mm-hmm. to do this at the table i think there's some advantages especially now that we're talking about the how can i help the party right so a discussion among the people but there's no reason you couldn't have an email or a facebook conversation yeah. in a group or something saying hey guys for our you know the gm wants our endeavors by next week hey i really think somebody needs to do this you know that kind of thing so just keep in mind it, you don't have to necessarily take your table time up for this Though it could be fun. Right. I think another thing that we haven't, haven't mentioned necessarily is oh, we talked about this being optional, but another way to use this is just to use the events. And it mm. doesn't have to be something that gets rolled at the table. If you're a GM and you're preparing your next session, roll a D100 and whatever comes up on the events table, you can add that in to the next session or the next adventure without even right. knowing no about its impact on... Yeah, Nolan kind of mentioned that too from the point of view of like you can roll a few together to, to develop yeah. an entire adventure. Right. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well, and, and things too that might not even be obvious unless it becomes obvious, right? So like right. the false silver one, for example, nobody needs to know about that. If, I mean, it's not, that may not be, be uh, fully obvious to the players at all, but it, will come into play if they decide to take a banking endeavor, right? Or if they decide to go and want to spend a bunch of money and then, Oh, they find out that a bunch of this is actually counterfeit or, or even um, this could be something that could influence a gossip check. So you could roll on this and it comes up with, Oh, there's, you know, an auction that's coming up for this really crazy item. Well, it's, if that's information that's not just going to be broadcast to your players. And if they don't, want to seek it out they might not ever find out about it but so you're you're almost saying like this is just part of gm prep let me roll on this table real quick and see see if there's something yeah yeah i like utilize it that way if you want yeah there's no there's no nothing saying that it has to be utilized only as it uh as it's intended there's a lot of good stuff that can be used in here for for role-playing outside of the actual in-between adventures 
Agreed. I think we all love this this chapter. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So for our next segment. Feed your greater demon. All right. In the Feed Your Greater Demon show segment, we talk about ideas you can use to help support your FLGS. Fligus. 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 And build your woofer of community. Um, so what's our what's our idea today, Steve? Uh, today's idea is pretty much invite a GM to run a game at your store or GM a game yourself. And basically, if you have someone you know who's willing to run a one-shot, uh, it would be a great way to make a game more like an event. It may help to convince friends who might not want to play at a home. And uh, that makes a, lo- a lot of sense because people, I mean, someone's home is their personal little area. And it's so convenient to meet at a public place, not only for just general snacks, but public bathrooms, well, tables, everything. Plus, if you have babies at home uh, babies at or home, spouses that don't want to play, you know, things exactly. like that can be difficult. Dogs that bark annoyingly all the time. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and by like a one-shot event, we mean just like literally a story could be as short as you have some adventurers that need to escape a house, get on horses, and leave. That could take an hour or two, you know, just to get them in the mode of of getting outside their box, you know, to have a nice short adventure. No strings attached. That's it. You leave the table. It's done. Right. Uh, so it's a great way to find out other players. Uh, many who might be interested in Warhammer but not willing to try to start their own group may join, and we brought that up a lot. There's tons yeah. of players that want to play, but do they want to spend the 60 bucks to buy it and maybe not even find a group to even play ever? Right. See, that that's for me the biggest barrier right. here. Or even it's, the starter set, right? 30 bucks. I mean, I just don't have 30 bucks always laying in my... Like, even if it's interesting, do I want to drop 30 bucks on something that I might not ever play? <laughs> uh if you're talking to either you or I, Lance, the answer is yes, because we have countless <laughs> role-playing game core rule books that we have not ever played and may never play. Dang sure it, I will play them all. <laughs> Great. Maybe 70 years from now, we'll be, oh, uh, we'll be sitting at this table. We're le- still talking about when we're going to get Star Trek to the table. Star One Trek and Legend of the Five Rings. I have like two books for that now. I need to get that on the table. And that's what we're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but somebody else is running a game at my local store and I could do a one shot and I'm like, man, well, there you go. You know, it's always nice to test drive a car before you buy it. Yeah. You know, you get into it just a little bit, not heavy, just enough where you're rolling, role playing, uh, just to experience how the game might work and yeah. decide With from there. Role playing games, especially the in- upfront inv- investment is more than maybe, gosh, almost any other type of gaming I can, well, maybe oh, not like miniatures, war gaming and stuff, but, yeah. but even then it's not necessarily just about the money, but the time, right? The time it would take for you to buy a core rule book, read it well enough, understand it well enough to run a game. That's not a small amount of time. Right. So if you know somebody or, you know, you may already know yourself, but getting out, getting into your fliggas to try to generate some interest can go a long ways. Yep, and definitely uh, you can ask your store owner for some support, maybe discounts on snacks for the players that come or something along that line. Um, and, and that's Cubicle 7. That's what they made the starter set for. You know, it's already pre-generated characters. Um, they're they're beautiful. The artwork yes. looks good, right? It's a lot easier to get someone into the game when you have beautiful full-color character seats in front of them and, and beautiful maps and stuff. 
And uh, now we're at the point now where we roll a new character. It's a breeze for us now. But for the first time player, yeah. I remember our first time we created characters. It took, uh, what, three of us, four hours, three yeah. and a half, yeah. just going through all the skills. And we, we didn't did know a what real we're bad doing. job. <laughs> you know, just rolling, just nitpicking <laughs> what we want, our trappings. It was just it was a huge daunting task. So definitely the starter set would be for that. And it could be as easy as asking your local store owner, hey, can I just put up a flyer? I want to run a game on this date, put four slots down. First people that sign up, that's it. There you go. And you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, the whole point is just to help grow the the role-playing community, the Warhammer community, get people into your Fligus, get get uh, get more people excited about playing role-playing games because it's it's – it's so much fun. And it's so much fun. And this reminds me of like we, when we went to Gen Con our first year, uh, we played that one shot game and we had some people that have never played it ever. And it was just a fun five team group for an hour or two. And that was it. One shot done. And we yeah. had a great time. Yeah. And that's for me, I definitely am an, an omnivore when it comes to stuff. I would, I would love to just play a different role playing game every month. Right. Right. Try something new. Try something that you that might be out of your comfort zone. Might be not something you're familiar with, but it might be a lot of fun. Yep. And I can say, even with uh, in our example, Warhammer is not something that my friend group knows anything about because it's not as popular over here. Well, the more I talk about it, the more that I bring it up, I show them stuff, I tell them about rules. It's like, oh, that sounds really cool. Right. That's the whole idea. You know what I love about telling people at Warhammer that always gets them so exciting is when I say, when I tell them about how crazy and deadly the system is and how easy it is that your character could be dead in the first hour you play and <laughs> so many people get excited about that you mean like that's how it is like especially people that play D and stuff where like once you're past a certain point your characters are like super so yeah i can honestly say that like we're semi uh gods but in warhammer it's like oh i've been doing this for you know four months oh i'm dead now <laughs> yep yep <laughs> and I want to bring up a story. Um, I had a coworker, and this was a it was it was a event. Our network was down, so we had some joy time. <laughs> and I was talking with him. He he was showing me an app where he scans his books and it tells him what books he's read. You know, he has like his library oh. of books. Well, I saw Cubicle Seven. I'm like Cubicle Seven. Hey, what's that about? Yeah, he's like, oh, that's fourth edition Warhammer. I'm like, really? Have you ever heard of old world podcast before? He's like, yeah. I was like, that's I'm Conrad. <laughs> And it was just like, how'd you Jeez. pick that out from Cubicle 7? He was just, his mind was blown, and it was it was nice. But he's one of the folks that, you know, they get the rule book, they read it, but they have no outlet to play. Yeah, and that's so, the case for a lot of people, yeah, I'm sure. Yep. So it was just interesting that uh, he reads about it, he wants to play, but, you know, we're talking about it. But it was, yeah. It was, uh, Sometimes, man, you just, it was like a ding. you gotta you got to take that step yeah. in, in your local mm-hmm. gaming stores. Yeah, where, we should where be there is. to help facilitate that, yep. for sure. All right, so let's move on to listener questions. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on this question tonight, but before we get into that question, Nolan, how can someone get us questions? Well, if you would like to send us questions, you can go to Twitter at Old World Podcast, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast, or email questions at oldworldpodcast.com. All right, Lance, as you've already said, our question tonight is one that we've received multiple times from multiple people, and it is quite simple. What is your opinion of third edition, and why do you almost never talk about it? So we, we, we can all talk about this, and, but all right, here's the thing. 
I like third edition. Um, I have not, uh, most of us don't have a ton of experience with third edition. Um, and the, the, it, there's, there's several good and bad things, but, and we've talked about this in different places all the time, but here's the situation. It is easy to compare fourth edition to second edition or first edition because they're right on the D100 systems there. It's a progression. Easy to see third edition jumped out of that mold completely. Oh, sure did. I don't mm-hmm. think it was a bad thing. I actually, the dice system, as we said before, is is the precursor to Star Wars and Genesis. And Star Wars is great. There are some major problems that they had to fix between 3rd edition Warhammer and Star Wars. But the narrative dice system, I love. I love yep. too. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and it, I think we can we can thank Wolfram 3rd edition for being the pioneer to get us that system. I was about to say that as, as well. Respect to third four. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, and that's the thing I, so are there problems with third? Like here, here's the reality too. third has. So here's the thing. Third has great artwork, has great storylines, has great adventures. Um, adventures written. Graham Davis has written for him. A lot of people, big names, great adventures. And I like the narrative dice system, even though it has some clunkiness that they didn't work out till like Star Wars and Genesis, but it's great. My problem is that you need a table like twice the size of whatever you probably think you do in order to play this game. And you can buy a core set for a hundred bucks. And that's assuming you can find one now. They're out of production, but a hundred bucks and you can play three players with it. Right. And that's, that's my biggest problem right now. I can photocopy some character sheets and pick up the $60 version of the core rulebook for fourth edition or second edition or first edition. Or, a, or even a PDF. Right. And even a PDF of or it. Or even less. And I can play eight players if I wanted to. Right. I have everything I need to play as many players as I yeah. want. How many I can handle as a GM. Mm-hmm. You have to spend like $60 to get additional character in in order to to run more than three players, yeah. And every player you add, you add, you add like a three foot by three foot section of table you need to put everything out. And then when you end for the session, all of those little markers and stuff, they're sure they're nice, they're pretty, they look good. But we you're gonna take people take pictures with their phones so they can remember how much strain they have and all that because it's yeah. tracked differently. It's too it's too fiddly, and I think they they took when I think role playing game, I want a book and I want a sheet of paper and a pencil. Like to me, that is what a role playing game right. is. Right, and everything dice. else should be optional. Right, right? Yeah. you can have miniatures, you can have maps, you can have all that. Yeah. But that should you should not need that in order to play the game. Yeah, once you start adding in, you know, bags and bags of tokens, it needs a map. You need miniatures out. Then it becomes you're playing a board game at that point. Right. It's kind and of a it, burden to carry around. I mean, it's like, where does it stop? I need a book bag now for everything I need to play. Yeah, right. Um, instead of just my book and, like you said, paper. Right, and that's the <laughs> thing. Like, I could go to my cousins or my friends. I could literally grab my starter set, or I could grab, you know, my my core book. Like right now, off the top of my head, I could run Warhammer or Star Wars with nothing but character sheets and have the core book. And I wouldn't even need to look at the core book. I know it that well, but I could run it. You know, yeah. I could just grab that book, run it, and 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 that's all I need. So, like, and I don't want to. This is our frustration. It's coming out. This is the reason we don't talk about it a ton. Is because we have a lack of experience, but we also the experience we have is very clear. There were some problems with third edition. Now, some people love it, and don't get me wrong. If you said, "Hey, I want to play a one shot of third edition," I 
excited. Let's yeah. do it. For sure. For sure. But am I going to run a campaign for it? No, I have fourth edition. I'm, I'm going to use fourth edition, <laughs> right? Like, um, you know, and are there good things that came out of third edition? Yes. Some people think the mechanics make it not as grim and dark and gritty or whatever. To that, I say, eh, I, I think the problem with third edition for me anyway, and I think for, uh, I speaking for all of us, is that it's just, it was too much. Like, Cubo, or not Cubo, Fantasy Flight Games tried something and it didn't work and that's fine but it is what it is but, but it also some, started a couple things like the dice system and how right. future games w- would work so it, it, it was like you said they tested the water and i wouldn't say that that took a chance third yeah. edition yeah. paid the price but uh it was definitely different went kind of veered right instead of just going straight and just yeah. enhancing it so anyway, that's why we don't talk about it as much. Um, and now that fourth has more and more content coming out, there's less for us to talk. Yeah, about. Yeah, honestly, you'll you'll yeah. hear less and less about second edition and yeah, first, first edition, edition too, yeah, right? Because yeah. we're we're not comparing it anymore because fourth is growing into its own game. Yeah, and and so I guess. And in, Nolan, did you have any thoughts on this? I don't know if you've actually ever played third or or read the rules have- or anything. I've read the books and all that stuff. I probably have as much experience with third as fourth. And like you said, a lot of the a uh, friend of mine does has played Legend of the Five Rings and all those kind of stuff. So he kind of liked the whole dice system. I like things that do a little bit of a narrative uh, explanation. So I do kind of like that. The biggest negative that I probably had was I'm just looking at the book and like, I don't understand any of this. Like that was probably my biggest thing. Yeah. But yeah. And then half of the rules that you need for different things are on cards. They're not in a book anywhere. And that's, mm-hmm. that's another thing, right? So like yeah. even getting, I have all the third edition PDFs. Do you, because if you don't have all the cards, you don't have all the rules. Sure. And yeah, that's yeah. Anyway, again, I will say I like third edition. I, I think it's awesome. It is not a game that I'm, going to play and and if you ask me lance if you have a choice between running a campaign in second edition or third edition i'm probably going to run a campaign in second edition just because of the ease and the cost the straight up cost out of my pocketbook so well thanks to everyone who sent us in questions and all of your support if you have questions of your own don't hesitate to send them our way excellent so i think that's end the end of our show tonight thank you nolan for joining us be sure to check out our next actual play uh, that's coming soon in our next uh, discussion, uh, which will be coming soon as well. We're pretty excited about those. So intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. You can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast, and of course Facebook at facebook.com forward slash oldworldpodcast. And while you're checking us out on the various social interwebs, be sure to hop on over to our Patreon page and support us. If you like what we're doing and want to help us out, become a patron. For only a couple dollars a month, you can help support the show and get some cool rewards, too. Check us out at patreon.com slash oldworldpodcast. Also, let us know what you think. Visit iTunes or your preferred podcast service and rate us. Every review helps us reach even more Warhammer fans. All right. So this is Lance saying goodnight. And may your banking endeavor never fail. This is Matt. May your endeavors between now and our next episode be both bountiful and pleasant. This is Steve saying goodnight. And may your training and unusual learning be fruitful. 
and this is Nolan saying, I got 10 gold and I got money to burn. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop, Warhammer, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters, and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited, Cubicle 7 Entertainment, or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.